The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Um, So thankful that you're here with us today. Again, this evening, uh, we won't have any evening services, but we invite every one of you to to go to the Smithfield Church and to uh, go attend that singing over there. Uh, You know, the body of Christ is much bigger than just this local congregation in LaGrange. And it's important for us to get to know our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially the ones that that live near us. And so uh, I hope that you'll join us over there this evening. Also, next Sunday evening, we'll be having a congregational forum. Um, If you don't know what that is, then that's just when the leadership of this congregation kind of tells you about what we did last year and looks forward to what we're going to do in 2016 and gives everyone an update. And so we would encourage you to be here next Sunday evening for that congregational forum, especially if you're wanting to get involved, if you're wanting to help teach or or do something uh, here uh, within the church, then then please be here next Sunday evening. Um, Kent gave us the announcements this morning, and and, uh, it wasn't all good news. We have people who are struggling with illnesses. Um, people who are dealing with death, people who have um, surgeries. And so before we begin this morning, I I just want to say a special prayer for a few of those um, before we get started. So let's pray. Father, you've been so good to us, and and we thank you for all your many blessings. Uh, But but Father, sometimes um, things happen in this world. Uh, Sometimes people get sick. Uh, People experience death. We understand that this is not how you planned the world, but because of sin, uh, we now experience the the, the bad parts of life. And Father, we want to lift up a few people uh, before you this this morning. We especially pray for our brother Paul Vogel, who is away and attending the memorial service of his sister. Uh, Be with that family. Give them comfort. Give them peace. Father, we're so thankful for our leadership here, our, our elders and our deacons, and uh, we know that, that Bobby's has a surgery tomorrow, and we ask that you be with him and be with those doctors and nurses who will be caring for him, and we pray that that surgery is a success and that he'll be back with us as soon as possible. And Father, we're especially mindful of Loretta Baumgarten and um, the treatments that she's beginning, and we know that um, you can do marvelous things, and we pray that your healing hand will be upon her and that your will will be done. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, open up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 29 through 34, a passage that um, correlates the one that Bobby just read a few moments ago. The next day he, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness... I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, 
But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is a painting from 1515 by Matthias Grunewald. And you can see it today if you go to the Underlinden Museum in Colmar, France. It is a depiction of the crucifixion from the Gospel of John. And so Jesus hangs from the cross while his mother, uh, Mary Magdalene, and the beloved disciple, that is John, stand nearby. And what is interesting about this picture is the person on the right. And that's John the Baptist. Now, I know what most of you are probably thinking. Uh, You know what? John the Baptist wasn't there at the death of Jesus. And you're right. And the painter who created this work of art, he he knew that. He understood this. Uh, The artist included certain things within this painting that show up in John's gospel. For instance, at the foot of the cross is a lamb. And we know that Jesus is called the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist is standing at the cross and he's standing there with an open Bible in one hand. And with his other hand, he's pointing toward Jesus. And this is what John does. He comes to testify of Jesus. He bears witness to the coming Messiah. He is a bridge between the prophets of old and God coming in the flesh. John the Baptist appears in all four Gospels, and he does exactly what you see in this picture. He points the way to Jesus. When Jesus comes into this world, this is a big event. The angel of the Lord makes visits to both Joseph and Zechariah, and he tells them what's about to happen. Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel, and she's informed that even though she is a virgin, that she's going to give birth to a special child. And once Jesus is born, angels appear to shepherds on a hillside. The magi are guided to the child by a heavenly light. This world-changing event is celebrated by many people, but then life goes on. Mary and Joseph have to flee to Egypt. The shepherds go back to their fields. The magi return home. For a time, people celebrate the coming of God into the world. But then they are forced to wait. And perhaps some of them lose hope. They may grow tired of waiting year after year for God to just show up and do something about everything that is not right in this world. They may forget about what they once praised and what they once celebrated in a manger in Bethlehem. In the words of Tom Petty, sometimes the waiting is the hardest part. And if we're not careful, we can become like this. We can become hardened and calloused by life. We can lose hope. 
We can forget about what God has done and what he has promised to do. Our perspective of things is sometimes limited. We begin with ourselves and then we look outward. But you see, God may be working on something really big. While we're sitting here and and we're thinking in terms of how it affects our lives and maybe the people around us, and, and that's all we see. Our view of time is much different than God's view. And this can be a problem. There are some who will want to give up. But Peter reminds us not to get discouraged. He writes about this in 2 Peter 3, 9. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter presents a different way of looking at things. We live in a culture that wants things right now. We don't like to wait. We want to see immediate results. And if we don't, then we shut down the project. We close stores. We restructure or something else. We are not good at waiting. But God is. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He waits for years and years hoping that people will repent and they will turn towards him. Jesus is born. People celebrate. And then they wait. After 30 years, it seems as though no one really knows who Jesus is. John, his own cousin, did not know his identity at first. He says in verse 31... I myself did not know him. And this seems kind of strange since Mary spent time with his mother, Elizabeth, just before Jesus and John were born. Again, maybe after 30 years, people had started to doubt the events that happened that night at Bethlehem. What John doesn't forget is his mission. He's looking for the Messiah. He's preparing the way for the one to come, even though his identity remains a mystery. And all that changes with the baptism of Jesus. Something happens at Jesus' baptism that confirms this is the person that John is looking for. And so John says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Baptism is always important. We know That Jesus was without sin. He was without sin the day he was born. He was without sin when he went to the cross. He did not need to be baptized in order to have his sins forgiven. But this does not mean that his baptism was insignificant or, or meaningless. 
On the contrary, the baptism of Jesus was an incredible moment in his life. It was the beginning of his ministry. It revealed who he was to others. It was the moment that God confirmed his identity. It was when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cannot look at the four accounts of Jesus' baptism and say that it was unimportant. On top of all that, his baptism foreshadows our own. What happens to Jesus happens to us. God forgives our sins, but this is not all. He gives us a ministry. It sets us on a new path. We're given a new mission. We relate to the world differently. We seek to bless others and tell them the good news about Jesus. It gives us a new identity. We are now a Christian. We are now identified with Christ. He lives in us and we live in him. And so our significance comes now from who we belong to. And as long as we are in Christ, we are somebody. And our baptism empowers us. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He now indwells in us and helps us in our Christian walk. And the Spirit works to shape us into the image of Jesus. He helps us to become the person that God wants us to be. And all of this begins at baptism. And this is why we hold baptism in such high regard. God is at work in baptism. And it is where our Christian walk begins. This passage from the Gospel of John, though, is not just about baptism. Thirty years after a group of people celebrated the birth of Jesus, his true identity begins to be made known. And so, John the Baptist recognizes him, uh, recognizes that this is the true Messiah, because the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. But who is this Jesus? We're given a couple clues in the text. John says of Jesus, he was before me. He was before me. And in case you are wondering what that means, all you have to do is back up a couple of verses and read what is recorded at the beginning of that chapter. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John the Baptist was older than Jesus. And so when John says, he was before me, he's not talking about age there. He's talking about something different. Jesus was before him he was before all human beings he was present before the creation of the world he made all things he was present in the beginning with God the father and so John is referring to the deity of Jesus here he recognizes that Jesus is God in the flesh 
In verse 34, we read, And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And so Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not just another miracle worker. He is God. So John begins by by looking backward to the beginning of time. Before everything we see and we know, there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God preceded all things. He alone is eternal. And then next, John hints at what is to come. He says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this statement looks forward to the cross. It is a statement about where his ministry is leading him. Jesus shows compassion and grace to everyone he meets. He embodies love perfectly. But we really don't grasp the magnitude of all this until we see an innocent man beaten, cursed, and hung from a tree. We don't understand forgiveness until we see a dying man forgive his murderers. There's no bitterness in Jesus. There's no hatred or malice. There's only love. It is love for you and me. But it's more than that. It's love for those very people who are trying to kill him. It's love for a man named Saul who will work to undo everything that Jesus had done. It's love for every single person who's ever walked this earth, the good and the bad. And so Jesus is the example of who we are to become. His love and his grace transform the people around him. He is what we were created to be. He is humanity at its finest. A human being who perfectly embodies the image of God that we were all created in. And the cross is what makes forgiveness of sins possible. Satan is undone when this unblemished lamb is hung from the cross. And because of this sacrifice, we are redeemed. We have been bought for a price. We are no longer our own. God paid the ransom for each and every one of us. And at the cross, we learn what love is. At the cross, we learn our value. At the cross, we begin to see the world through a different lens. God goes to the cross for us. He pays the highest price for you and me. He suffers death for all humanity. He does good for those who refuse to do good for him. And he sees people not for who they are, but for who they can be. And this is what we must do if we are to be like Jesus and if we are to love the unlovable. We must not focus on the past or even the present. We must trust in God and remember that every human being has been created in the image of God and that every human being has the potential to be transformed into a person that looks like Jesus.
And when we have that kind of faith in God and that kind of love for others, then we will begin to have a tremendous impact upon the people around us. This is the cross-shaped vision that we are called to have of the world. Looking forward and backward, John begins to see Jesus anew. He begins to see his cousin with fresh eyes. Before, he was just that, just a cousin. A distant relative whom he would see from time to time. He was just a simple human being like everyone else. But it was when he was baptized in the Jordan that John's view of Jesus began to change. John finally saw Jesus for who he really was. The Lamb of God. The Savior of the world. The Creator of all things. The God who came to this earth and cared so much for us, he took on flesh and lived among us. The question for us this morning is this. What do we see when we look at Jesus? Is he a distant person that we don't talk to very much? Is he simply once a week on Sunday morning? Is he someone we don't know very well? Is he our Lord and Savior? Someone that we long to spend the rest of our life with. Someone that we look up to. Someone that we want to be like. For John, everything changed at baptism. When Jesus came up out of the water and John saw that spirit descending upon him like a dove, he knew. It was perfectly clear at that moment who he just baptized. And we should experience something similar at our own baptism. It should be perfectly clear who we are giving our life to at that moment. Baptism is a covenant. And and that's not a word that we use a lot. You you don't hear it very much in society or culture these days. Um, And we may have a hard time describing what it is ourselves. Uh, Marriage is a covenant. When we walk down the aisle, we are saying, I do to our spouse before God and and, and all the witnesses that are present uh, on that day. It is a promise to be with that person for the rest of our life. And baptism is similar. But when we are baptized, we are making a promise to God for eternity. And for many of us, our baptism is kind of like our wedding day. It's a special time when we are excited about our future. We're looking forward to beginning a new life and giving ourselves to the one in whom we just made a promise to. And so for the first year or two, things are great. You know, we call that the the honeymoon period. It's a time when the promises that we made are still fresh in our mind. But eventually, our memories fade. And we forget 
like on that special day. Other priorities uh, compete for our attention. And we're not as dedicated as we once were. And when this happens in a marriage, sometimes what people will do is they will renew their vows. They'll say, I do again, in order to recommit themselves to the promises that they once made. But what about when this occurs in our Christian walk? What do we do when our faith wavers and we lack the passion that we once had for God? Let me suggest that this is also a time to renew our vows. It's a time to recommit ourselves to the one who gave his life for us. It's a time to remember our baptism and to begin to to live like we did the moment that that we came up out of the water. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. Uh, You may be on fire for the Lord. You may be filled with passion and energy for God at this very moment. Or maybe you feel distant and alone. Perhaps your faith is not what it should be. As the years have gone by, you've grown further and further from God, not closer to him. Wherever you're at, whether you're filled with passion and energy or whether you feel distant from God, I want us all to recommit ourselves to Jesus. I want us to renew our vows and remember why we chose to be baptized in the first place. I want us all to leave here today as a body of believers who are fully dedicated to God and ready to live for him this year and for all years to come. So I'm going to say a prayer for all of us, and then we're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you need to put on Christ in baptism, if you're not a Christian, and you want to make that decision this morning, then come forward. Or if you need the prayers of this congregation, then come forward in that song. If you don't need to come forward then I want you to renew your commitment to God as we sing and pray. Make a promise to God that you're going to do better this year. Tell him that you want to draw closer to him and that you want to deepen the relationship that you already have. Don't leave here today without seeing Jesus anew. Fix your eyes on him and live like you've never lived before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our creator, our maker, our sustainer, We offer our prayer to you. We thank you for the life that you've given us. You formed us and gave us breath. You know us better than anyone else. And we're nothing without you. We thank you especially for the life that we have in Christ. It is abundant. 
It gives us joy. It fills us with hope. We remember when we first tasted of this life, when we arose from the waters of baptism, we felt blessed. And we were committed to live a life for you. But we also confess that there have been times when we have failed to do this. Some of us have walked away. Some of us have wanted to walk away, but maybe we didn't have the courage. Some of us have just grown complacent in our walk. And this is not what we want. We are not the same without you. We want to recommit ourselves to your service again this morning. We want to drink again from the well of living water. We want to deepen our relationship with you. Light the fire within us. Hear our prayer. Be with us as we strive to draw nearer, nearer, nearer to the cross where you gave your life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.